a reason that you consider him worthy this morning yes mm. say that again amen I'll thank goodness which son UN or ON The only begotten son, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't operate good without either one of them, so.
with the King, all glorious above. Oh, gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. Oh, tell of His might, oh, sing of His grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. Our chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain. And sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end. Our Maker, Defender, Redeemer, and Grace and majesty, 
Anthony, I can't hear any of my bass. Sorry, we've had something happen here yesterday or something, and now we got very lack of sound, so bear with us if it doesn't sound quite right. Not to mention, I can't hardly croak or any of us. We have our own personal Kleenex box, if that explains anything. Jesus, 
You know, there was two things in Scripture, or two places in Scripture that I was reading this week. One was um, the leper that told Jesus, he's like, you can, you know, will you make me whole? And Jesus said, you are made whole. Go and tell no one. But yet, he couldn't, he couldn't contain himself. And he disobeyed Jesus. Um, I'm not sure if it was counted to him as unrighteousness or not, but he disobeyed Jesus, and he did not. He couldn't help but tell others. The other was the lady who just wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. What, what faith do we have? Do we know that if we just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, it is made, we are made clean? Do we trust that just the mere presence of him can make us clean? Or are we holding on to some big event? Do we have to be one of the Pharisees that had him into his house and that is what makes us whole or that could cleanse us because we had a big event or a, a, a long conversation with him? Or is it just the simpleness of God in your presence, I am clean. If I can just touch one aspect of you, I am made whole and I know that in you is everything I need. That's what I want. I just want to have the simple faith of knowing it doesn't have to be a big event. It doesn't have to be at church. It doesn't have to be somewhere great. It can just be Jesus passing through in my daily life on the street anywhere that I can just touch the hem of his garment and know him in a very, very special way. Thank you. 
As we were singing that song, our God reigns. Why are you excited about that? Did you know most of the world is not excited about that? And when Christ comes back to reign, no more free will choice in that day, all the earth will mourn. That's what Revelation tells us. So why should you sing about it and be excited? Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 has the answer. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And here's why I sing about it. And the only reason any one of us can sing about our God reigns. And he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. But not us those who have been released with forgiveness of their sins, we won't be mourning that day. We'll be singing triumphantly 
Why? Because he made us a part of his kingdom. He transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1 and Ephesians tells us, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. With that transaction, I sing, my God reigns forever and ever. And while the rest of the world will mourn that they don't have the free choice of life anymore, all things will be put underneath his feet. And his word is always truth forever and ever. That's something to sing about when he's made us a part of his kingdom and brings us in the part of that wonderful experience of his reign. But if you're struggling with that, you want to do your own thing in life, you can't sing that song for real. My God reigns. That's something to mourn about because you don't reign anymore. But the secret of the Christian life is when I lay down my reign and yield my life to his reign, then I'm a priest in his kingdom. And he reigns, not only in my body, but over my whole life. And we can sing about it. Even if we have terrible colds we're struggling with, or whatever else you're struggling with this morning, even in the face of death, our God reigns. Because death is our final triumph. Just like it was in Jesus. Okay, we're going to have the children's lesson. Kids, you can come forward. And we're going to ask you to come over here on this side this time. Because Katie's going to lead out. And Lucas. And they're going to have a lesson for you kids. You guys can sit over here. Good morning. How are you guys? Are you good? We still have room. Lucas, can you hand me help? Yep. Okay. So they each get one of these and whatever. Okay. Does anybody know what this is? What's it look like? Is it a stoplight? But there's no lights, right? Lucas is going to hand you out the lights and the stoplight. First light on your stickers, what is that top one? Red. Does anybody know what it says? Stop. Stop and listen to God. So there's a story that I was going to read to you. The story of Samuel. Do you guys remember the story of Samuel? Did he stop sleeping and had to listen to God? Do you remember that? So I'm going to read to you in 1 Samuel 3, 6 through 10. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned, discerned that the Lord was calling the boy, and Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called out as other times, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So after the third time, he knew it was God calling him. So Samuel learned that it is very important to listen to God. So how do you guys think that we can listen to God? How can we listen for God? Do you have any ideas how we can listen or hear God? Do you think it's through reading the Bible? We can hear God's word. Maybe through our parents, they tell us about Jesus. Praying. That's a good one, too. We can listen and learn from God through prayer and even through a sermon when people share the gospel. So now we're going to take that red sticker and we're going to put it on top. Can you do that? So the stop one goes on top. So you just peel it off. And just like that. You got it? Do you want help? Did you get one? You don't have one? Do you have an extra one? Oh. Oh, he does. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Did you do it? Everybody got the stop? So that one you can do at home then. You can maybe add some more and do it on the back side. Okay, what's the next color on a stoplight? Yellow. So how about we do yellow? So this one says, so what does yellow mean? Hit the gas. Hit the gas? Speed up. Slow, it means slow, slow down. <laughs> slow and make time for God. Okay? So Lucas is going to read us the story for slow. I'll read the message. So the slow, make time for God. I thought of the story of Martha and Mary. In Luke 10:38 to 42, do you remember the story about Martha and Mary? Okay, so Lucas is going to read the scripture for us, please. Just the top part. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she had a sister called Mary, who was also seated at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word but martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said lord do not do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving by myself then tell her to help me but the lord answered and said to her martha martha you are worried and distracted by many things but only one thing is necessary for mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her thank you lucas okay so the story of Mary and Martha teaches us that we should not be so busy with our daily life that we forget to spend time with God. So what are some ideas on how we can spend time with God? Slow. Yep. Make time for God. So stop and slow down and make time for God. That's a good one. Any other ideas? 
like at home when you're playing or you're doing school? What can we do to make time for God? Do you ever get stuck like on a math problem and it gets frustrating and you wish that you wouldn't have to go to school and pray? pray. That's a really good one. Okay, so let's take the yellow sticker. Did you guys do that already? And then put it on the second light. Good job. Okay, we have one more story. What's the other stoplight? Go. Is that our favorite? Go, go. Okay, we have a story about Jonah. (gasps) Do you remember Jonah? Did he go? No. Okay, we're going to let Phil read the story on Jonah. It's right here. I added it to it. There you go. Okay, here's the story of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, because their wickedness has come up before me. So Jonah got up and he went. You did go somewhere. Where did he go? That's right, Tiffy. He went the opposite direction. So Jonah got up to flee, to run away to Tarshish, which was the opposite direction. It would be like if you came to a green light and you stopped and turned around and went the opposite direction. Do you think you'd cause a traffic jam? Yep. The cops would probably be chasing you. What, Elias? Did you want to say something? Okay. All right, I'll keep reading. But Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa. He found the ship that was going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and boarded it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. However, who can run away from God? No one. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the stern of the ship, had laid down and fallen asleep, rested. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Well, what happened? Yep, Jonah said, Throw me overboard. Uh Uh-huh. First he gets swallowed by a fish. Then he turns into a fish's vomit. Boy, that was a miserable disobedience, wasn't it? First, a big storm cost a lot of people everything. I'm getting all distracted here. Okay, Katie says to keep reading. So they picked up Jonah. They hauled him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. And the Lord designated a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. That's a long time to be in the belly of a fish. Jonah 
2, verse 10, The Lord commanded the fish, it vomited Jonah up into the dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding large city. Did you know Nineveh is still a city today? In Iraq. Still a big city. Yep. In Iraq. Now Nineveh was an exceeding large city. A three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. And he cried out and said, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God and they repented. And you know what? Thousands of years later, because they repented, they're still a city today. God was going to totally destroy it. Like he did Babylon and some of the other cities. But because the people repented, they're still a city today. So when God says go, you had better... Hey, stop! Go! All right, thank you. You can go back to your parents. Well, a welcome to everybody. <clears throat> when God says go, you better go. Um, before Elie comes and shares the word with us, um, <clears throat> we want to just take a time out to pray and anoint with oil um, Stace. Stace has been struggling with uh, MS, as he shared with a number of us. And he asked me the other week, Phil, would you guys just anoint me with oil over this? Because it's been an ongoing struggle in his life. And so I said, absolutely, we'd be happy to do that. In this church, we love to obey James 5. Where is there anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And two things are sure to happen. Will they be healed physically? Is that the promise? No. What are the two promises that James 5 gives? Number one, if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven of all their sins. Forgiveness happens. And secondly, the Lord will raise him up. And that raising him up is a sure promise because what God does is in our inner man is the resurrection. That whatever sickness we're dealing with, whether the Lord heals us or not, the Lord raises up the inner man to be an overcomer. So that that sickness does not overcome us. Now we pray for physical healing and we believe Jesus does heal us physically according to his will. But what we really pray for and put our faith in is the two promises. The forgiveness of our sins and the raising up, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that is promised in James 5. And that's our faith for you, Stace, as we pray over you. Do you want to say anything? Nope? Okay. I told him he doesn't have to. Um, he can just come and kneel down. Can you kneel? Or if you'd rather sit, do you, or your knee's going to be okay? Okay. Elders, would you come forward, minister team? And uh, we'll pray over him, and I have the anointing oil here. <clears throat> 
do with it? <laughs> okay, let's pray. Let's all pray together. Our Father in heaven, we just come before you with a humble heart and a grateful heart. Lord, I just want to lift up our brother to you, Lord. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would be with him. Lord, we just ask for healing in his body if it's not against your will, Father. I just pray that he could sense your spirit. And, Lord, that you be near and close to him. Lord, I just pray a special blessing on his life and the testimony that he's been here. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, you'd go before him. And I just pray the power of the darkness be defeated in every way. Lord, as he goes from day to day and at times faces discouragement, I just pray you would lift him up, Father. And, Lord, I just pray that um, you just go before him. And, Lord, that he can see um, what you have for him. Just thank you again for his uh, testimony. And I just pray that... uh, uh, it would heal his body in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus this morning, Lord, that Stace would be healed. Yes. Not because of anything that he has done, Lord, in his own self, but, Lord, because of the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that that is present in his life. And because we know that you um, you love your children and you care about each one of us as Jesus showed us in so many miracles in his life here on earth, Lord, that he cares about each and every one of us. And, Lord, I just pray that you would heal Stace, and, Lord, that he would be made better, and, Lord, in that his um, faith would rest in you in every way. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your resurrecting power. And I pray, Father, that that power would be real and alive in my brother stays here this morning, that you would pour out your resurrecting power on his life, on his heart, his soul, spiritually, Father, and also physically. Your resurrecting power that you alone can pour out and raise us up. And I pray that that would be a reality in his life in every way this morning, that your power would be evident that it, it's of you. And I thank you that you will do this in Jesus' name. Father, we, we pray for our brother's days, and we just want to bless your name for what you're doing in his life. We want to pray for healing. There is nothing that is out of your, your control. Everything is in your hands, and, and we trust you. He trusts you, Lord. Father, and I want to add, we want to add to that prayer that you continue to work in his life and his heart in his mind and, and that the knowledge and understanding and wisdom of who you are and who he is in you just grows day by day, Lord. Thank you for our brother. We bless him in your name. Amen. Yes, Lord. We pray that you would do your first miracle that you came to earth to do and that you would forgive all his sins and cleanse him from all unrighteousness, Lord. Lord, it... Make his soul spotless and clean and blameless before you. And, and Father, I pray that you would give him that uh, anointing and, and resurrection power, Father, in his spirit, that you would raise him up, restore him in anything, Lord, that, that uh, he has been entangled with in his life, whether it be of the flesh or the spirit, that you would cleanse him and, and give him your, 
your eternal life again in his spirit and raise up his inner man and strengthen him with all might by your Holy Spirit. Do that first work, Lord Jesus, we ask you in space for your glory, for your honor, that wonderful gift of eternal life. And Lord, we also pray for his physical body. We do believe that you are still the miracle healing God. You not only do it in our inner man, but you also do it in our elder man, in our bodies for your glory. We ask you, touch him and heal him. Do a miracle and deliver him from this MS. We anoint him in, in Jesus Christ's name and commit his life into your loving hands, thanking you that you're his creator, not only of this physical life, but of a new creation in Christ Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to rebuke Satan over his life in every area of any area that he still may have an influence or control there. Rebuke him, Lord, and have him flee out of his life. Restore, Lord, anything in his life that Satan has destroyed or corrupted. Restore his salvation, Lord, I pray again today in your glorious way that only you can. And bless him with your touch. In Jesus' name, amen. Stace, we anoint you with oil. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we found out that the Russian culture and the Mexican culture are very similar. I wonder if God, you know, he was designing, he just changed the color of his pencil and, and one of them was like more lighter and darker. I don't know, you know, but we are very similar, our, our cultures, just as a side note. So, um, I, this is going to be an interesting one because, do you remember what I shared last time? How do I remember? 
if you pay attention. I know you were sleeping, but do you remember? What was it about? It was about the prodigal son. So guess what? I'm going to share about it again. And at first I was like, should I apologize for doing that? And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to apologize. I want to tell you something. This story is so fascinating that I'm still reading Luke 15. And I've been looking into it. You know, it's amazing. And I learned new things. That's why I'm here sharing with you the same story. But I hope you get the new things that I also got. So God has been spoken to me through this word, parable. So you're welcome to go to Luke 15. And that being said, I want you to know that I, I'm going to quote this book. It's called The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. Um, th- this brother of, of ours He's already with our Father. He's already with the Lord. He's in a better place. However, he left this book, which is, I, I, I think it's, I think it was going to bless you. So I, I, I recommend this book. And I'm going to quote a couple of things from the book. Because, yeah, I mean, this guy, he, was he a, is, is he considered a scholar? Can we say that? I mean, because he, man, he studied the Bible so much. That was like 100% his, I mean, I don't, I don't, I never met him, you know, but I can, I can see by, by his writing, he had different books too, by the way. Um, so, anyways, just just as a comment. So let's go back to Luke 15. All right. But this time, we already know that the situation: Jesus with the Pharisees, the scribes, and the tax collectors. I'm not going to read that part. Let's jump to verse 11. And I'm going to make a couple comments, right? And I'm trying to practice sharing my heart with you all without notes. And it's a little bit scary, to be honest. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to forget anything. But I feel like right now I forgot everything. So just, just bear with me. So, and he said, verse 11, chapter 15 of Luke, There was a man who had two sons. We remember that part. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. I am going to point out a couple of details as we go. And I want you to hear the tone of the voice of this son. He's addressing him like, Father. You know, and you know by doing that, you're putting yourself under the authority of the Father, right? You, you show respect by the way you address. Like for instance, I know, I know because I've seen it, I know that our brother Brandon doesn't address his dad like, Hey, Kerry, you don't do that, do you? Would you do it? I know he wouldn't do it, right? Like, I don't call my dad by his name. I remember one time, you know, quick, not really quick. In Spanish, we have two ways of address somebody, okay? You, I mean, in English is just you. What would be the other one? Like, thy or something like that? Or, or, or the, the old way? Thou. Okay, thou. So in Spanish, we have that, right? For instance, if I talk, I address my brother, you know, because he's older than I am, he has more experience than I do, I wouldn't call him tú. I would call him usted. Because by doing that, I'm showing you, I'm showing you respect. All right? Same with my dad. With my dad, I cannot call him tú. 
Because I'm putting myself at the same level of my dad. And I'm not. I'm his son. So I have to call him usted. Of course, the newer generations, they forget and they don't care about that. And not everybody says two or two with everybody. I don't like that, but that's just, I mean, it's, it's my preference. So I remember one time, for some reason, I started to address my dad as tu instead of usted. And I could tell my dad was a little bit like uncomfortable at the beginning, like, why are you talking to me? Like, but he didn't say anything. But my brothers, he jumped right away, like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Just like that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, why do you talk to him like tu? His dad. I'm like, wow, you're right, I'm sorry. <laughs> dad, I'm sorry that I called you too. I mean, it's usted. So just, just a point on this, you know, he's, he's, he's talking to him, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided this property between them. Now, I learned in this book that the word property in the original language that they're talking, I think is Greek, is the word, the word bios, which we actually can be also translated as life. Now remember that during this, this time, they don't have cars, right? They are measured by how much land they have. So the more land, of course, I mean, it's, it's the same right now here. I mean, a guy with one acre compared to one, a guy with a hundred acres, well, it depends on which zone is it, right? It is, but still, it's a lot. It's compared, I mean, the one hundred acres might have more power than this guy, if they're in the same zone, the same area. More money, basically. So, in other words, the father divided this property between them, or he, he everything that belonged to him, his identity, his power, let's say, in the community, in, this, in society, he had to destroy that. Right? And he divided, he divided this between them. Now, I want you to go really quick to, oh no, I don't know how to say the book, this book, the Deuteronomy, the, the, English, say that again, Deuteronomy. It's hard, man. That book, the fifth one, the Deuteronomio. It's easy, you see? That's why in heaven they speak Spanish. Deuteronomio, it's easy. But when I saw it, I was like, I wonder if it is like Deuteronomy, you know, because it's my, but okay. The, that book, the fifth book. If you go over there and find chapter 21, find chapter 21 of Deuteronomy. That sounds about right, right? Yeah, thank you. And then if you go, uh, let me, I don't want to lose this part here. If you go to chapter 21, verse 15, it says, If a man has two wives, this is kind of random, but okay. The one loved and the other unloved, that is sad. And both, and both the loved one and the unloved one born him a child, born in children. And if the first, firstborn son belongs to the unloved, then on the day when he assigns his possessions as an inheritance to his sons, he may not treat the son of the loved as the firstborn, in preference the son of the unloved who is the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved, by giving him a double portion of all that he has, for, it, for he is the firstfruits of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Okay, hold on. This is what's happening here. 
The firstborn, the elder brother, the, first, the elder son, he has the right of the firstborn. That means that the father divided his property in three parts. He gave one part, one third, to the youngest and two thirds to the oldest. That sounds really cool, isn't it? Now, if you, are, you, if you are the oldest son in your family, you're thinking, man, I wish I lived in that time, right? Well, I, I, yeah, I know, I feel you. So, you, you can stay there. I'm going to go back to Luke, or you, you can go with me. I, I'm, I'm going to go back to Deuteronomy later, okay? So, he divided in that way, two-thirds to, to the oldest and one-third to the youngest. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began, began to be in need. I mean, poor guy. If, if he was a little bit more, you know, like, he was smarter, he could have thought, I'm going to invest part of this money, even if you're going to do something wrong, I'm going to invest this, right, and try to see in the future. That way I can keep living. But this guy, he just, it affected his life. He was out of his mind, and he just went and spent everything. I mean, to the point that he had nothing, not even to eat. Not very smart guy, I guess. Um, so he began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. We already know that sounds really bad for a Jew, right? And he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. I mean, that is to be in need. I mean, this guy, he, he's doing pretty bad. But when he came to himself, in other words, he was out of himself, that when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread that I perish here with hunger? Can you imagine? He, he lived in a place, in a house, where he had everything. He didn't like one single thing. But now here he is, wishing not even being again in the same place as the son of the father, but just one of the higher servants. I mean, they had a better life than he was having at that point. So I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, I, I love this, you know, the, the, the rehearsal that he's having here, that he's practicing. Father, still addressing with respect, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That is true. He's recognizing, now he's, he was out of himself, now he's, he came back to himself, right? And he's recognizing, you know what, what I did is wrong. I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's one thing. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That is true too. Because in this culture, it is a huge disgrace to do what he's done. Everybody knew about it. You know how it is in a small town? Big news. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your higher servants. 
Check this out. This is what I learned. Being one of the higher servants does not mean being one of the servants that live in the house with the father. No, it, it means one of those guys that live you know, in their own house, whatever, it can be in the same town or another town. But that means that you, he, he was saying, give me a job, right, like you do to other people, so I can pay you back. He knows he does not deserve to be called a son anymore. Because he knows what he's done is really bad. So he's, however he knows it's better to be close to him and be in, a good, in good terms with the father. So he's, he's doing his numbers and math and he's like, you know what? Maybe he gives me a job, I can pay him back. Right? He wants to earn his way in again. So he arose and came to his father. That is awesome. He took one step forward. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. We already pointed that out. Compassion. And ran. So he felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This is something that he didn't know either. During this time, a father, a... What's the word? Patriarch? Is that a word? A patriarch. They don't run. Because they're highly respected people. Right? I mean, they, they have a position. They, the way the society looked at them, it was so, so up here that these people don't... Now remember, they, they wear, um, how do you call that? Long robes, dresses, whatever you call that. And to be honest, I don't even know if they wear undies during that time. I don't know. Okay? So, probably... By him running, he was just, you know, his rope might be moving around, showing his legs. Which, in this culture, that, no bueno. You understood that part, right? Or do you need to translate it to English? No bueno. I mean, this father, having this position of a patriarch, he's taking a, a step out of that, of what is correct in this society, out of love. He divided his property. He broke basically his heart to give to his son. And now he's breaking the rules. You are a father, you're not supposed to run. Kids can run. Girls can run. But not you. What are, gonna, what are they going to think about you? Man, you're the patriarch of this family. So he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son, and the son said to him, remember what he practiced? So now he's executing the, what he rehearsed. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That is true. The father doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, no, that's not true. He's, you're, yeah. You're right. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That is also true. But before he goes to the third part of what he was practicing, in verse 22 it says, Huh, but the father said to his servants, right away, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. So he's basically, I mean, he doesn't let him finish his whole, you know, speech. But he could tell he repented. You see it? By the first two things that he said, the father can tell, 
huh, you repented. He likes that. Did you notice that, uh, you know what, I, I was trying to think nowadays, what, what would we do? What would a normal person, I guess, would do if, if one of your sons or one of your children did something like that? You know, and you're at home and suddenly you see him or her coming. What would you think? I wonder if we'll be like, it better be good, buddy. It better be good. I guess you saw, you, you, you felt the same thing like I did, right? Better be, why are you coming back? Or, or it could be like, here we go again. Now what? What do you want? Right? He felt compassion. I love that part. So, and then by putting the robe and putting the ring on his hand, he's bringing him back, not as a higher servant, he's bringing him back to the same place that he had before. You are my son and you are part of this family. You belong here. And I just learned that the, the ring during that time, you know, when you made a deal with somebody, instead of writing a paper or having a contract, the ring had a seal. Seal, is that, is that, is that right? Seal, 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 okay. Seal. So what you do, what you would do, you will go and seal. That was like a signature. Seal. That agreement or whatever. So the father is giving him the same, I'm going to call it power, the same position in the family. Even though he did not deserve it. And remember that the scribes and the Pharisees are listening to this. That is shocking for them. So they're basically thinking, are you saying that the one that wasted his life with prostitutes, you're bringing him back to the same place? That doesn't make sense. Now, 23, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, during this time, they did not eat meat every single day like some of us can do or do sometimes. Right? Now, killing the fattened calf, it was like basically me saying to my wife, we're going to make handmade tortillas with the best beans, okay, and carne asada. In, by the way, in my town in Mexico, you know, other here, what do you do when you celebrate something? You do burgers, usually a barbecue, or throw a, something, you know, something on the grill. Over there, we make carne asada. Ah, you graduated from school? Carne asada. Oh, you have a son? Uh, carne asada. You have a headache? Let's do a carne asada. You know, I mean, we do a carne asada for everything. That's a way to celebrate. Bunch of carne asadas. If, if you want to eat a lot of carne asada, you go in December to my town and you can go to a party like almost every single day. I remember one, one time we went down to visit. I think in one week we went like to 10 different carne asadas. I mean, it, it is a thing, okay? So, he's saying, let's go kill the fattened calf. Now, you don't kill the fattened calf just to feed your family. You kill the fattened calf and you invite the whole town it's a big thing. So he's basically telling everybody, 
Because everybody knows about this song. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, but that's a conclusion that I'm making, right? Because it's a small town, big news. So he is saying to the whole town, do you remember this guy? That it, he's basically a disgrace and I should be ashamed and embarrassed of having this son. Well, I am accepting him in my family. And not only that, I'm putting him in the same place, in the same position that he had before as a son. And not only that, I'm going to celebrate and you're going to celebrate with me. Some come celebrate. And this is very important, that he called his own son that he was dead. That is big. This son of mine, he was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he is found. Now this is the part that it gets interesting because we move on to the second part of the story. The other son. Now his other son was in the field. Man, probably working. That's good. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound right just this point the fact by saying that the son understood oh okay if we kill the fattened calf that means that a lot of people are gonna come I mean that means that he is welcoming the family now remember that in this culture I mean many I would say in also many, all the cultures or many cultures food is very important the time of a meal is very important right when you go home when you go back to your home what is the, one of the first things that you go if I mean if you still have your parents alive you're gonna eat something probably most of the time anyways so he hears this and the first thing that he feels is anger but he was angry and refused to go in now hold on what we read in Rurami was that he in I mean he got two-thirds of of the whole thing, right? One third for the son for the youngest, two-thirds. Now remember that basically everything the father owns, it belongs to the older son. So, in other words, the fact that the father killed the fattened calf, who do you think that belongs to? Who do you think is paying those expenses? You see it? It's coming out of his pocket basically. It is coming out of what belongs to him. I mean, legally belongs to him. So he gets mad because, because what belongs to him is being wasted with this brother of his. Now, he was angry and refused to go in. And his father 
came out and entreated him. Okay? I want to tell you something about this too. The father... Think of this. You are the... I'm going to call it the king of your house, or, or you're the patriarch. You, 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 you give the, the orders over there. You set the rules. It was so easy for the father to call one of the servants because he knows that his son doesn't want to come in. It was easy for him to tell him, come here. Go tell my son to come in inside right now because he's embarrassing me in front of everybody. He didn't do that. What did he do? Himself. He went out and all basically begged him, come in. Check this out. Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, but can I say in Spanish? Is that okay? Deuteronomio, Deuteronomio 21, 18. Check this out. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall, shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall push the evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Let me ask you this. Do, do you think that it's kind of fulfilling this situation? A disobedient son? Even though later he, say, he says, I've never disobeyed you. But right now he's like, I don't want to go in. You know, he's throwing a fit over there. And the father, instead of following the rules and the law, I mean, I, I'm not even sure if this would be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is the situation in which you have to do that. But you know, these guys follow the rules with their lives. But instead of doing that, he does something totally different, shocking for everybody. He goes out himself, instead of sending somebody, he goes out himself. And he begged his son, Son, come in. And he answered to his father this. Remember what we said about the, the first, I mean the, the youngest, how he addressed his father? He answered this way. He didn't call him father. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I don't know how this exactly, you know, the situation. But I feel like the way he started, says, Look, and for some reason I can picture the son doing like this. Look. You know, with the finger like this. Which is an expression of you and I. Like, I'm at your same level. Or even, you are lower than me. And I can tell you, look. You see, you see what's going on here? He doesn't call him father. Remember what I told you about two in usted? He calls him, look. Like, with authority. Like if, this, if he had the same position like his father. Look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command. And I, I remember last time I told you, 
I kind of doubt that to be honest, right? It's very unlikely that he will be like perfect. However, the father doesn't say, that's not true. You disobey me this time. Remember when I told you go buy tortillas and you didn't want to? I mean, it, no, the father is agreeing. Uh, it seems like it anyways. He doesn't say anything about it. By the way, in Mexico, we go buy tortillas. That, that, in Mexico, it works. If you say that, everybody is like, hey man, brother, because it's part of our culture. You always send the kids to buy tortillas, just so you know. Um, so, I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, and we, we talked about that, last time he's not saying his brother is this is your son that is not my brother because he's a disgrace i don't recognize him as my brother who has devoured your property with prostitutes of course he, he points something very very bad for the family or for him you killed a fattened calf for him i mean you throw a huge party with things that belong to me right because now everything is mine and he said to him son Right, the father still with love and grace. Son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. It made sense to do it. For this, your brother, even though you don't recognize him as your brother, this your brother, and check how it ends. He points out the same thing. He was dead. Son, don't you see that your brother was dead? But he's alive now. He was lost. But now he is found. Um, I remember last time I just I just pointed out the the grace. Oh my goodness, how much grace. Oh, so much grace. The grace that this father has with his two sons now we all know that the the younger son we all know that he was living in sin do you agree with me yeah he did everything that was wrong he did all the things that you were not supposed to do. He was a disgrace for the family. Yes, he was. And it's easy to point out that. Yeah, you say like, ah, that, that, that was bad. That was bad. He does not deserve. That is true. But the oldest son, he did all the good things. However. He was as lost as the youngest. So, Timothy Keller, he, he says in his book, there are two ways, there are two kinds of lostness. The one that you don't want to relate with the Father, you don't care about the Father, and you want to follow your life and do whatever you want, whatever way you want to do things. And you go waste your life. Right? And the other one is the one that is so good. How can you be lost if you're good? 
Oh, goodness, you, you behave well. You're a great person. You don't do bad things. The problem with this one is that he's trying to save himself. For this second, for the first song, it is not enough to have the Father. And he doesn't know that he needs a Savior. Have you heard... Um, it, it, I want to make sure that we understand what's going on here because this situation is very dangerous. Because he does not know that he's lost. Because according to the rules, he's really good. And that is easy to show. Right? Have you ever met somebody with, uh, I don't know, uh, some sort of disease or sick of something that you can see from far? I don't know, maybe let's say an eye infection. I just came out to my mind. An eye infection, right? And then the eye gets red and maybe big. I don't know. Hopefully that never happens to any of us, but if it happens, you will see it right away. Oh, this guy is sick. Something is wrong with his eye. Right? You can see it right away. Do you know what high blood pressure is? Right? I mean, the, our pressure, the blood inside in our veins and vessels should keep certain level, let's say, of pressure. Can you tell if I have, if I have high or low blood pressure? No, you can't. Do you know that that disease is called the silent killer? Because you, you don't know. Actually, I hope, I hope you don't mind that I tell you this, but you might have high blood pressure. I might have it. But you don't know. And usually, you find out when it's too late. Maybe it would be a good idea that we all check our blood pressure, by the way. That's, that's a good thing to do. So, it is called a silent killer because nobody knows if you have it or not. You see how dangerous it is? And this high blood pressure kills a lot of people, by the way. Probably more than COVID, I don't know. <laughs> it's the same problem. The older son does not know that he's sick. He is trusting his own righteousness. He's trusting his own efforts. Let's go find Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 3. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This guy was establishing his own righteousness. And that's why he did not know that he needed a Savior. Did you notice that everything was about him? I never disobeyed. I did great. Like basically telling to the Father, you actually owe me, buddy. 
You don't talk to your dad like that. You don't call him baddie. This guy is so lost. And that is the reason why I was like, I have to share about this again. Because probably you and I are in danger of falling into this situation. Because we can distinguish between good and wrong. Did you notice that in both cases, with the oldest and the youngest son, the father went out? Did you notice that? The father went out. He left his position of patriarch and he went out and told him, come. You cannot save yourself. You need a savior. He went out of himself, of his position to bring his sons back. Now, Let's go to the book of John. I honestly, I'm not even following the time. I don't know how time I've been talking about. We'll see. Um, John chapter 1, let's start in 9 verse. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, I mean, you do know that Jesus is the Son of God. The only begotten Son of God. Now, if you believe in Jesus, right? You become an adopted child of God. So, guess who's the firstborn? Can you guess? Is that too easy question? Jesus is the firstborn. Now, what I told you at the beginning the privilege of the firstborn oh, I should say there are not only privileges by being the firstborn right you I mean you're not only gonna receive double portion there are also responsibilities as the firstborn because the day the father dies guess who needs to take care of the family guess who's the new patriarch is you, Brandon, exactly. Is <laughs> the firstborn. There are responsibilities. Now, it, let, let's bring the whole story here, right now. You and I have an elder brother. A true elder brother. And this elder brother... He's willing to pay the price. He's willing to pay the cost 
that it implies to bring you back home. Because we all are dead and are lost without him. But this brother, he actually came down here. He did not stay like the, in the story. He did not stay over there doing the good work. He came down here and he gave everything he had for us. He doesn't mind all the expenses that it takes that in this case is his own blood, his own life. This elder brother, he's, he's done it for us. He has paid the price. So now, now we can go to the Father. Now we have access to the Father through the true elder brother. You know, I, I don't know about you, but for some reason, I feel like it's easier to see, or I always thought, Jesus came for the loss. You all agree with that, right? And we, we all that. We all know that. He came for the loss. And when we think of lost people, we usually think, you know, drug addicts, killers, uh, people that are stealing, uh, whatever. We always think of people that are behaving really bad. Do you agree with me, or is it just me? You, that usually comes to your mind. But now that I, you know, I've seen this story and how God has shown us through His Word, He also He also came to save the good people because they are also lost in their own righteousness. But they don't know. That is why Jesus is explaining to them, you guys are like, uh, what's the word? I, I, in Spanish is um, sepulcros blanqueados. How do you say that? Whitewashed tombs. I should prepare that in advance, sorry. You are like whitewashed tombs. You re look really good in the, in the outside, but in the inside, you guys are rotten. I, I don't know about you, but I, I would be shocked if I was a Pharisee or a scribe, right? And I, I think I'm doing great and I'm the righteous person here. And then I received that word. I mean, these guys were not happy. These guys were not like, oh, yeah, preach it, brother. They were not saying that. He was like, hold on, are you saying that the this guy that wasted his life and time with prostitutes, are you saying that he had access back to the Father? And are you saying that we, or the other brother, that did everything according to the law, are you saying that he was wrong? Let's kill this guy. Let's stone him. Right? So what do we do? What do we do? I, we don't want to be the lost, the bad guy. You know what we need to do? If we, if we are in this place and we're wasting our life, we need to repent of all the bad things that we've done and come back, right? I'll come back to the Father and ask for His forgiveness. Now, if we are in the other place, we need to repent of all the good things that we've done 
because it was based on our own righteousness. It was based on our ourselves. And this is so dangerous because then you don't need a savior if you can save yourself. And nobody can save himself. Both of them need Jesus. So what do we do? We trust in the el true elder brother. And we just follow him. And we just allow him to teach us and to change our hearts and our minds to become more like him. He's the one that is going to show us the way, the path. That's why he's called the way to the Father. Because he knows. He's the only one that actually can be perfectly good without mistakes. That's why we need him. That's why we all need him. We need to repent for the bad things and also for the good things. I know this, this one sounds really weird. I know about it. I'm aware of it. We cannot save ourselves. We need the true elder brother. Now you see why I had to share about it again? I don't know about you, but this is talking to my heart. And God, you know, um, <clears throat> I've discovered that sometimes, I can say this, I used to be that guy, but sometimes I feel like I, I go into this place. And then, and then if I don't do good, then I feel guilty. And then if I don't measure up to the standard, then I feel like I'm losing my salvation. It's not, it's not up to me. I, I have a very weird example that I, I told my wife once, and, and she was like, that is a weird example to say at church. I'm going to say it anyways. I told her, you know what? We need to be like ticks. You know a tick? Right? Is that a, is that a, am I saying the right thing? Tick? 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 Well, you know what I'm saying. The, the awful thing. That thing is disgusting. It's awful, by the way. I'm guessing you don't have that as a pet. I'm guessing, right? Like, oh, look at my tickets here. Like, I'm guessing you're... They're awful. Plus, they suck your blood. I know it sounds really bad, but sometimes I feel like I need to be one of those little guys and just grab Jesus as hard as I can. Because in my humanity, man, I just... I go from the old guy to the good guy. Oh, I'm so good. I'm because I'm behaving well, because I'm doing great. You know, the other day what happened, my oldest, he, he told me, hey, I put the thing back. I mean, the thing that you told me to put back, I, I put it back. I'm such a good person. I was like, what did you say? I said, I am such a good person. And I was like, oh my goodness. It is in our system. It is in the flesh. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many years you spend on your knees praying to the Lord. It doesn't matter how many years, how many times you read the, the Bible. It doesn't matter. It, it does not matter. We're always going to fight this. 
and we cannot conquer it. That's why we need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Ah, uh, Father, we, God, we thank you. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. How can we express it? God, please help us to understand and to see it. That how much we need you, Lord. That it's not, it's not ourselves doing good deeds. It's not, it's not us. It is you, God. It is you, Lord, the one that can do it in us. And the good works that come out of, our, of, of us is, is just an expression of who you are. And it's an expression of your work. And it's a fruit of your spirit in us. Father, I pray that you, you may keep working in our hearts, in each one of us. Whatever place we are at in our lives. That we can see that we need to repent from our own righteousness or from our disobedience from all the sins Lord God please keep working in our hearts keep working in our minds thank you for being patient being patient to each one of us thank you for sending your son thank you Jesus for showing us the way thank you Father in your name we pray Amen so that, that's why I had to share it with you again. So I hope it was as, um, how can I say that, challenging as it is being to me, but also a blessing, you know, because I'd rather know that I, have, that I have high blood pressure so I can treat it, right? So, of course, we know who the doctor is. His name is Jesus Christ. He, he can help you and He wants to help you. And He's the only one actually that can help us. So that's why we need to let Him lead us to the Father. So, love you church. <laughs>